0: Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis
1: response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD.
0: Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Perodin. And I want to give thanks to the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California, as the primary talk outlet for this show. Also, a thank you to ISS 24-7, providing security for some of the nation's largest stadiums and arenas, including Levi Stadium in San Francisco, and also the Vikings MetLife Stadium including so many more prominent arenas and stadiums across the country and across the world, ISS 24-7. Also, be safe with Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio.com, out of Santa Barbara, California. Half the country, and growing, is subscribing to Sprigio's online school safety reporting, focusing on bullying, harassment, and other threats. So, thank you to the 405 Media, ISS 24/7, and Sprigio. I want to also give a thanks out to all of the listeners of the Safety Doc Podcast in our exponential growth and the appreciation for our new 1 p.m. PST time slot, which has been very successful for the show. We've been able to capture a number of very fascinating people to interview, to bring on to the show. And today we have Dylan Allman. Now, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Dylan. Uh, first of all, very, very fortunate to get him on the show. Um, you can also follow him at Real D-Y-L-A-N, D-Y-L-A-N Allman, A-L-L-M-A-N, at RealDylanAllman, all, kind of as, as one word, um, on Twitter. He is a free thinker, a constitutionalist, stands for liberty, small government, economic freedom, and non-interventionist foreign policy. Folks, he is the rising star in politics. We've had a change in our political landscape, and the leaders of the near future are going to be very, very much aligned and similar to um to the person that we're gonna speak with today, Dylan Ullman. Uh, just a privilege. I follow Dylan on Twitter and have, um, you know, made myself just uh, more aware of what's beyond the horizon by following what he shared, doing my own research. Um, but Dylan is going to help us today. You know, in this show, we focus a lot on personal safety. We also focus on school safety, and um, the sense of agency and, and purpose. But um, those of you, obviously, that know me know that I am an advocate of the Patriot Act, but yet I do admit uh, I'm short sighted on the depth of that legislation. And our host, or our guest today, I should say, Dylan Allman, is a much more in depth and has a different perspective on that, um, which I think is, is going to to bring a, a, a completely uh, new, fresh, needed angle to this. And and one of the things that I always pride myself on is um, I'm open to new information, evaluating that, and, and kind of reform, formulating my stance on things. One of the things that we haven't uh, been as deep um, into on the show is really the constitutional and legislative slot side of things when it comes to personal safety, um, when it comes to privacy and those things, much needed. And we have Mr. Allman today to help us get more of a complete picture on those things. So I want to thank um, Mr. Allman for being on the show. And when I did do the initial tweet that he was going to be on the show, it took literally 60 seconds to get over 700 impressions on that tweet. Again, we are talking today with a rising star in the political scene, and you're going to have um, you're going to have this name in front of you, folks, and he's going to be someone that's going to be leading us. Um, so, live from Georgia, United States of America, I want to welcome Mr. Alman. Mr. Alman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, David. So, tell me about yourself. Um, I am. I'm, I'm fairly young. Um, right now, I work full-time, and I do a lot of independent research on different policies and different philosophies that the, uh, that governments take to, to uh, work. Um, I really love American history, specifically the colonial era, whenever they did develop our first version of our government, um, which is a big... it, it really uh, influences... The way I view government nowadays, uh, I feel like the way that the founders believed the government should be run it's kind of been uh, skewed quite a bit. Uh, coming up to what we have nowadays, And I feel like we need to kind of scale back and get get uh, look at what the founding fathers did and try and replicate that again because that's that's really what what worked for them in, in their scope, and we've kind of kind of gone away from it. So. But I do a lot of um, independent research with that. I plan on going to university to study political science because I do want to get into the um, into the political community and, and try to run for office uh, to be able to give my influence on what I think government should do to run better, uh, to try and help out my my country to to, to be the best that it can be. And I just recently started getting into. Uh, local politics. Um, uh, representative Tom Price, uh, for he was actually the representative for my district. He just got chosen to be the Health and Human Services Department lead by Donald Trump, and he just got confirmed the other day. So they're trying to fill his seat, and I'm supporting uh, Senator Judson Hill, who is uh, the front runner for for that position, so I went to one of his meet and greets and was able to network with people there, uh, I talked with him a little bit, and so i um, really good in situations like that, and I'm a really big people person, which would really come in handy in the political world, um, but I've been doing a lot of that, trying to get more involved. I worked on Gary Johnson's campaign, I ran the Twitter account for that for Georgia and also Illinois, so I got a lot of experience with that as well. Um, so I'm trying to just get my foot in the door and try to make as many contacts as possible and try to uh, give my policy ideas and my push for liberty uh, to be able to um, to get my voice out there to try to reform the American government for the good and, and just help out my country because I really am a, an American patriot and I just... I want my country to survive, You
0: know. Yes, I, I, I totally um, receive that from the messages that, that you you posted, and and your theme is very consistent with that. And I can tell that you're very very bothered by um, observing the partisan posturing that's going on today. And actually, uh, Mr. Elman I mean, this is the first time in my life that I that I can recall. The extent of such a divisive um, political landscape, and it's very unsettling for me, also. Um, so, your your perspective would be that that government today is is too large and, and too complicated. Would I would I be right in in saying that?
1: Yeah, it, it does seem that nowadays the uh, the government, uh, especially the executive branch of the government, has been kind of overstepping their authority and gaining way too much power and uh, just being able to do pretty much anything they want through executive orders. And the president now can just declare war on on countries without going through Congress, uh, which is horrible. I mean, the whole premise of the Constitution was you're supposed to go through Congress and everyone puts in their opinion and, and Congress declares the war, but now the president can just say there's a threat and people can, and you can just declare war. Um, and that's that's not good in my opinion. I think the, uh, the authorities that, that the government has gotten and the amount of dependency that people have given, that the, the amount that of dependency that people have for the government has given way too much power. And it's not what the founders believe uh, at all. And I, I just want to go back to... To those founding principles that we've gone so far from.
0: So, so, Mister Ullman, in, in in my perception, working at, as a as a national expert in school safety, um, the government has jumped into creating uh, school safety documents, guides, uh, and they're very extensive. and In my perspective, they're they're bloated. Uh, they they try to um, to cover every contingency. They're very unrealistic, yet they're being fed out to schools, for example, saying this is what you need to do to be safe. And and we have the same type of thing that seems to be coming from FEMA, whether it be, you know, like an active shooter situation if you're in the community and this is what you're experiencing. And I'm one of the things I learned in my doctoral research very clearly was uh, once you get beyond a very small unit of measurement, so when I looked at, for example, school districts or aspects of military or health care, um, it's very difficult, if, if not impossible, to generalize that out to um, a broader uh, set of units. So let's say you have one elementary school. You can't say, well, this is going to be very similar to elementary school number two, number three, or if you have town A, It's going to be similar to Town B or Town C because the context and situations are so different. Yet what we get right now, and it's it's alarming me, is we're getting very lengthy government documents which are saying, here's what you need to do to be safe. And the reality is, you know, I look at those and say, there's no way this would ever work. And it's a one size fits all. Um, you and I had had a little bit of a discussion about um, something that was in the media, the Oroville Dam crisis in California, and and uh, one of the things I had, had shared with that is if something were to substantially fail at a dam like that, really people are on their own. It's an organic level, and, and you reiterated a point which I think was very important of, of saying people have, you just did, of people becoming too dependent on government. You know, someone is going to be waiting for, um, you know, a, a Hummer to show up with, with, you know, supplies and whatever. And and it's almost like we've lost, as you said, since the founding fathers, the ability to make local decisions which are harbored in the context and the situation of which those decisions will then be carried out, mm-hmm. and and i I also um, you know concur with with your you know perspective on the executive order that um, I think at least I, I don't know where something like that ends, um, and if I, I don't know what that means for for example we talked um, you know about the, the the Patriot Act a little bit. And, you know, I've come out and I've said generally I'm for the Patriot Act from the perspective of I believe it allows uh, a streamlining of the red tape between CIA, F- FBI, FEMA, local ag- agencies, law enforcement, whatever, to share information. Um, and, and, again, my background is in, in school safety, school shootings, things like that, to get information shared to hopefully not have to wait for a judge to, to produce a writ so you can go in and see if a student or, or you know a, a youth is harboring um, you know in the basement um, you know a number of weapons and a blueprint and things like that but but at the same time you know one of the, one of the reasons uh, you know your 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 post on Twitter and just your body of work is so compelling is um I think you have a different perspective on the Patriot Act than I have, and I'd like to hear what your thoughts are about the Patriot Act. So
1: basically, the the Patriot Act, that was enacted right after 9-11, which which really shows the way that the government tries to utilize fear and destruction for their advantage. Um, So the way that I look at it is... President Bush and his administration took 9-11 and kind of used it to gain more government power. Now 9-11 was terrible, for sure, but that was used to give the government more power. It basically said, we need to be able to um, have surveillance to figure out where these terrorists are and all this, and it, and it sounds great to everyone because, you know, everyone's really scared about terrorists and everything like that. Um, but the way the Patriot Act has uh, has been in effect for, for a while, and it, and it doesn't really do what it, what it says that it's supposed to do. Um, uh, the Patriot Act—a big thing that came out of this was um, Edward Snowden back in 2013. Right, uh, the right. NSA was using the Patriot Act uh, to their advantage and basically spying on everyone. You know, they use the excuse we're looking for terrorism, but that's not what they're doing. Um, Edward Snowden showed that basically the NSA is spying on every single American citizen regardless if they have any type of, any type of suspicion for being a terrorist or doing any type of terrorist activity. Uh, The NSA has powers to be able to listen in on, on your phone calls or look into your private emails or text messages or even watch through your webcam of your computer, um, which sounds great if they're looking for terrorists, but that's not what they use it for. And even if they say that's what they're going to use it for, you can't trust the government to do everything that it's going to say. If they have the ability to do this to any American, they say, well, we're only doing it for terrorism. That's what they said for the longest time, but Edward Snowden basically showed that they weren't doing that, that they were using it to spy on not only American citizens, but also... Our allies uh, like China and that's just terrible um, because a lot of people use the argument like I don't have anything to hide therefore I don't care if they spy on me and it's like I don't have anything to hide but it's the whole thought process of somebody watching me or just completely sacrificing my privacy uh, because there might be a terrorist attack, uh, when it's even more rare to be killed by a terrorist than it is to, uh, to be struck by lightning. And I just, I don't like giving up all of my liberties and privacy uh, for the safety that they claim give. And the government is very dishonest as it is. Back in 2013, right before Edward Snowden leaked all of that information about how the NSA was overreaching, and breaking law and compromising our liberties, the director of the national intelligence, James Clapper committed perjury. He lied to Congress saying that the NSA could not do what Edward Snowden leaked months later. Uh, so the government has repeatedly lied about these type of things. And from what we know from people like Edward Snowden and other whistleblowers, um, there could be way more that we don't even know about because the government decides to lie to its own people and spy on its own people and compromise our liberties which I think is ridiculous and the government uh... especially Barack Obama and even even Donald Trump back in 2015 uh... talked really badly about it this morning. and I'm a really big advocate for him and because what he did in my opinion, is one of the most American things that you can do. Uh, keeping your government in check and realizing that the government is doing illegal things and sacrificing our liberties, which is a principle that our founding fathers held really dearly. And he decided the American people deserved to know the truth about something wrong that was going on in the government. Uh, just because something is illegal does not necessarily mean to that it's wrong, or that uh, if something legal, doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. So, so Dylan uh, speaks not because it's safe, but because it's right. Uh, that, that's one of his big quotes.
0: Well, one of the things um, I had heard w- when I watched an interview uh, from Edward Snowden, you know, he indicated that there was spying that was occurring on UNICEF, and, and you know, it, w- it would be hard to figure out why, you know why any agency would spy on UNICEF, but um, so I guess one of the questions I'm going to have for you is um, what, so if the Patriot, if all of this spying is happening, I'm trying to imagine the either the computer algorithms that are going into this or the amount of of people that have to be employed through the NSA, which, uh, you know, we might not know about, but why what are they really getting out of this I mean I, I'm thinking of this thinking well I mean what if the information that they're gathering if it's not really being used exclusively for uh, personal safety is it being sold to marketers is it you know is I, I guess I'm trying to figure out or is there something well, you you deem that that's larger at at play here such as maybe some, yeah, I I I'm just going to say it because it's been out there. You know, it's like a new world order type thing of just trying to to uh, I, I guess help me to understand. I personally haven't felt that the Patriot Act has impacted me in a negative way. But then again, I one of the reasons I'm having you on this is to call me out and and to tell me otherwise that I might be naive on this. Um, because, again, I'm saying from my perspective in working with some of the the families involved in some of the the shootings, school shootings and things like that, um, there were situations, Columbine was one where a writ could have been issued by a judge, and it wasn't, and looking back, had a Patriot Act been in place at that time that likely would have resulted in a, a search which would have uncovered weapons. But, again, I'm seeing this from an angle that I kind of want to see it from. So right. get, give me a perspective here to, to you know, po- point me in a different direction that that I'm overlooking.
1: Well, if the government's not using the Patriot Act, to- to find terrorism, um, basically they could be using that information for economic, personal, uh, economic purposes or uh, spying on different countries or even our allies to be able to figure out what they're doing or on the American people to figure out socially what's going on in the world to uh, to get ahead and 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 to me that that's just infringing on, on on my rights because especially with the Fourth Amendment, because they don't have warrants for these search and seizures, it's unconstitutional to begin with. Um, if I have something on my computer, a, a big thing about Edward Snowden, he had a movie that came out that like dramatized the whole situation. There was an issue where um, his girlfriend had private photos on her computer. If the NSA wanted to, they could just go and look at that. It, not saying that they're going to go do that, but it's just that the sure. government had the ability, so where does it end? You so, know what I mean? It, it, where does the government end when it has all of this power to be able to do whatever it wants? Uh, if people are willing to sacrifice their safety, their, their liberties, to get this amount of safety, um, when does it get to the point where we don't want we don't want there to be domestic abuse or child abuse so we have a police officer in every single house and a camera in every single house to try to prevent that. Uh, that's not what the Founding Fathers envisioned. They envisioned that each person being able to have liberty and be able to fend for themselves and not be able to have all this government intervention that a monarchy would have. And they, they all believed in, in small governments and in, in that, and that's what I believe in. And stuff with like the school shootings and everything—that's um, terrible. But you can't, you can't prevent everything from happening. If you give the government to be able to um, be able to act on something without issuing a warrant or without getting permission from a judge, uh, because you say, um, "But this school shooting could have been prevented if uh, the government had the ability to do whatever they wanted." Um, then you're giving the government the ability to do whatever they want, which more bad could come out than good, that I believe. Because um, right now our government isn't tyrannical, but if we keep giving the government more and more power, as soon as someone really, really bad gets into power, um, it could be over for us because we've given the government so much power that it can do whatever it wants. And right now it might seem good to give up some of our liberties for for some of the safety, Um, but that could bite us in the butt in the long run. Uh, Benjamin Franklin has a very, uh, very famous quote. He says, people who sacrifice liberty for safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And that was said by Benjamin Franklin, one of our founding fathers. And I hold that very dearly, and I I truly believe that, that you shouldn't be able you should never have to give up liberty for safety, ever. Um, and that, that's just my opinion.
0: So one of the things that I wonder, Mr. Allman, is behind the scenes, are there covert efforts that are going on that are, I guess, weeding out or, or, or protecting us in ways that, that we're not aware of? And one of the things in my... In an interview that I had with um, Seth uh, Seth Myers, or excuse me, Scott Myers from ISS twenty four seven, you know who uh, works with security with the National Football League, um, talked talked about a number of 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 different um, app based, just computer based. programs that they had and that they utilized to keep large venues safe. And he said, you know, the thing is, a lot of people have no idea that any of this is is happening. Like we can identify a certain seat and if there's an issue. Now, that issue could be if someone is having chest pain and they need to get, um, you know, emergency responders to that area. Um, But, you know, I'm also wondering, you know, is what's being – caught in the nets um, that we're not even aware of that I guess the Patriot Act might be preventing, or am I naive in thinking that's really happening when it's, it's probably not happening at all?
1: Well, uh, one big difference with uh, with the National Football League and big venues like that is those are private companies, and they're able to do what they want, from the consent of the people that that use their services, Uh, we don't have that option with the government. We have to comply with what they do. Um, So that's a big uh, line you have to draw there. But uh, basically, behind the scenes, uh, with surveillance in the government, um, from, from my knowledge, I don't really know of anything like that. Um, but, I mean, it's all very classified information, and the only stuff that we do know are what people like Edward Snowden have revealed to us, Who is condemned, I think, the government anyways. So, the government could be doing lots of different things to either help us or hurt us that we don't know, but they they don't want us to know. Um, you know, I I believe that the government should be a lot more transparent, uh, because the people are... The people give the government the power. Uh, that's how it's always been. Um, that's how it was designed to be. I feel like the government should be more transparent when it comes to stuff like that, uh, because a lot of people care about about their liberties and their, and their privacy. Um, but, I mean, I say that, and a lot of people now become numb to those type of things and don't care, And uh, live off the government and become very dependent and don't really care as long as they're safe. And If that's what you want, then, I mean, power, more power to you, but I, I don't agree with that. I mean, the founding fathers didn't agree with that either. Um,
0: yeah, that, that's an interesting perspective, and I think a lot of people share that of, you know, what really is safety because that that baseline has been recalibrated so many times. I remember um, when I was 10 years old and would go up to the Sandlot baseball diamond, meet up with my friends, and, and we would divide up into teams and play for a morning. And, you know, you never felt that you were ever at risk for personal safety um, you know, that, that someone would try to kidnap you or, or, you know, whatever, or some shooting situation. I mean, it just wasn't a part of, of what was going through our minds. Yet, you know, today those types of things don't happen and to the point where, you know, if somebody drives by a playground and they, they, they see, you know, an 8-, 9-year-old, you know, brother and sister playing in a playground, they don't hesitate to call the police and say those children are being neglected. Um, People have really ratcheted up what they, what they perceive as, as, you know, safety. Um, And, and you're right. There's been a lot of things, you know, for example, I I shared in a recent podcast, um, you know, just like when I took my, my driver's test, boy, I mean, the, the way that vehicles are made today, as soon as you hit 10 miles an hour, the doors lock and, you know, the, the windows only roll down so far. And everything is, even though, you know, it's not admitted, but any vehicle that has GPS can be located and tracked in a heartbeat, or you could get a court order to say, where was this vehicle at this time on this day? And whether your OnStar is activated or not, they would be able to tell you, you know, which I, which I, I, I think is, is disturbing. Um, you, you wrote, you had a February 11th Twitter post that I wrote down so I could do some reflection on it, and I'm, I'm going to read it back to you, and I paraphrased it a little bit, but you wrote, too often the government claims national security at the price of our own liberties and may become more powerful. We can't let that happen. Um, so, so, Mr. Alman, I mean, how do we, how do we find out what the true baseline is for, for safety? I you know, I'm going to put you forward as, as you know, Mr. Alman is is a congressional representative. How do you help people really understand this is what safety is? It, it, it safety is in in you, the people. It's not in. Some, some global institution or some global perception of an institution that is looking out for your best interest?
1: Alleged best interest? Well David, the way to say is that um, the reason why people are the way that they are now is in my opinion a lot due to for the media and the way government just uh, fear certain things. Like you said it seems like school shootings happen all the time. Uh, when in reality, they're just reported on more uh, because they get clicks and, and get uh, good government co- uh, good coverage, um, and people watch that. Uh, so basically, the government uses these fear-mongering tactics to be able to get more power. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that they're that they're ill-minded that they're doing this on purpose, but that it definitely seems like what's happening. Uh, like when there's a school shooting or there is a mass shooting, the government jumps straight to gun control. They say, well, we don't need these guns because people are just using them to kill each other. And and people are coming right off of this mass shooting and they're scared and they want that to not happen, which is completely understandable. And it always seems that as soon as a big shooting like that happens, give, uh, Barack Obama will jump on stage and start talking about gun control. It's very convenient for him because people are scared and people are, gonna, and are going to go for that. When in reality, the government taking away our guns is is a horrible thing in my opinion. Um, it was written in the Constitution for a reason. Uh, for people to be able to bear arms so they could protect themselves not only against bad other citizens and other people don't want to hurt them, but also from the government. Uh, The Second Amendment was written uh, just in case that there was a tyrannical government. So they could defend themselves, just like the founding fathers did against Britain. Uh, If Britain decided to take away all the guns from all the citizens, there would have been no way that they could have fought back, and they would still still be under British control. Uh, So every time the government starts talking about gun control, it kind of makes me upset because they're taking away our right to defend ourselves against them, which gives them more power. So as soon as they want to take away more of our liberties, we have no way of defending ourselves. Um, which, which like school shootings are a horrible thing, um, but maybe look at gun-free zones. It, it always seems that these shootings happen in gun-free zones um, because criminals aren't going to abide by law. Uh, the law. Law-abiding citizens like you and me aren't going to take our guns to the gun-free zones, but criminals are, and those people have no way to defend themselves. So, of course they're going to go to gun-free zones because no one has guns there, so they could just go and do whatever they want. Um, so that's that's a big... Big way that the government uses fear monitoring tactics. And and the big thing with 9 11, when um, a big thing that influences the government is the uh, military industrial complex. And they always will give in to the military industrial complex and do things like go to unnecessary wars. uh, And they use things like 9 11. Like George Bush had 9 11 happen and he said, well, they weapons of mass destruction there, which they didn't. Um, but we went into this long expense war and lost all of these lives uh, because he wanted to he used fear mongering tactics to be able to do that. Um, basically just to get rid of the military industrial complex. And it's just things like that the government uses that undermines our liberties and costs so much money and just gives them more and more power, uh, that that really scares me for the long run, uh, because they're just getting more and more power to the point where are we even going to have a checks and balances government uh, that advised by what the people want and the people give it power? Uh, it's starting to go further and further away from that nowadays, and I'm just afraid that uh, it's going to get to the point where the country's going to implode, and, the, and I'm not going to have the chance to uh, to have my impact to try to help it. Um, so every day I'm, I'm trying as best as I can to do as much research and to get my foot in the door because I want to get into this as fast as possible because now is is getting worse than ever, especially with the most recent election. Everyone is pinned against each other. Like, the amount of hyper-partisanship in the country is insane. Um, it, it, it almost seems like 50 of the country just constantly attacks the other 50% and vice versa. And that doesn't help anyone. I made a YouTube video uh, explaining my viewpoints on this on my YouTube channel. Um, it's Just Dylan on me. uh But basically one side attacking the other and not actually giving a thoughtful, respectful conversation about their viewpoints. If they're not doing that and they're just attacking the other side, and constantly pointing out hypocrisies and talking down to them, that does nothing. All it does is feel aggression and further the divide, and it doesn't help anybody. And these people that um, attack each other are just doing wrong things. And and before you attack someone, so, for instance, if someone on the right is going to attack somebody about... um, because they believe that they need to take away our guns. Instead of getting really upset and being like, you're taking away my liberties, you're a terrible person, you, you, you can't do that. You have to realize that that person wants there to be gun control laws because they truly believe that that's going to help the country. And they want what's best for everybody. I may not agree with them, but I need to keep in mind that they're wanting what's best for the country. I'm wanting what's best for the country. And they're not ill-minded at all. And I need to try to give my viewpoint to try to help convince them that maybe they need to look at it a different way, and actually be aggressive about it, and try to get something out of it instead of just attacking someone. Because if I attack them, they're just going to get more upset, and they're going to attack me, and then they're just going to indulge themselves in one side of thought, and all that's doing is furthering the divide. And I think that that's where we're at nowadays. And and that really scares me, and the media does not help. The media makes it so much worse. And it's just getting to this point where I'm afraid that everything's going to implode and I'm not going to have a chance to have an impact, which is why I'm very aggressively trying to get involved as fast as possible.
0: Right, and I I have children, you know, so, of course, you know, I have my my own personal concerns about this, but then also, you know, I'm very vested in the future for them. And, it's, it, it, and you've touched on a point which is, is definitely playing out, um, the UC uh, Berkeley campus in riot, you know, which it was, um, you know, when Milo was, was supposed to present. And going back to the days of Aristotle, it, it, and you've touched upon this, Mr. Allman, which I, which I give you credit for, is you know, understanding both sides of the debate, understanding, um, you know, if the other side's position, um, you know, almost if not as well as they do, but then articulating your, you know, thoughts and position in, in, in seeing if they can, if that cha- if that leads them to change, but now what it is is, uh, you know, it, it's a strong arming of we're going to bring bricks and we're going to, you know, instantly, you know, label you as, um, you know, I, I haven't heard the term Nazi as, as much now, you know, than, you know, when I watched Schindler's List years ago. And I, the hypocritical part for working with, with school-age children is you know the the thought of the non-aggression principle of saying you know can use words to convey your differences work for excuse me not only tolerance but but um, acceptance of others positions that doesn't mean that you agree that means that you're educated to their position but but then, I think kids are getting smart to this, especially once you get to middle school and high school, and they're saying, hey, listen, we've been a country at war for our, my entire life. You know, if, if they're 15, I mean, going back to when when the you know war in Iraq started, um, what does the media show? It shows that the way that you're heard is if, you know, you show up and, and are throwing bricks or, you know, trying to, to beat up on somebody. And, and this just is so remote, but but then you know you it completely undermines any attempts to work with the generation of youth today. In my perspective, on the non-aggression principle, um, because they just don't buy into it. That's not what they they see, and, th- and that's not the way that things things get done in their world. The, right. So so I'm going to bring you back to this. I'm going to try to cycle cycle you around to this. So. You know, we have these things going on, like the UC Berkeley, and and I'm going to say what it is, riots. um, And, and, you know, they've been replicated. So wouldn't the Patriot Act, in your opinion, identify those things ahead of time? Wouldn't there be enough residue leakage out there in instant messaging and, and that they would be following people? It's almost like this is being allowed to happen, I guess is what I'm saying, is, is I can't – well, I, I, I don't believe this is – they're so naive to think that this, this just organically sprouts. What, what I've what I read and in the interviews that i listened to people who were actually at the UC Berkeley, they said, you know, the people that showed up to, to do the aggressive physical rioting were well-prepared, had backpacks. You know, had Molotov cocktails, had other you know sharpened flag sticks and everything. It it wasn't a spur of the moment thing. So how is that? You know, we talk about the Patriot Act too. Is there an awareness here? But is something, in your opinion, just being? Are we being left to degrade further, and then there'll be another step which will take away further liberties from us? Well, David,
1: if if we trust. The government to fix everything for us. Um, if if we trust them to keep us a hundred percent safe with everything, we we just can't do that because yeah, I'm sure if there if they were listening on every single call from all of those students and had a video camera in their house and police officers walking down the street of each neighborhood, it wouldn't have happened. Um. But there needs to be a cough and there needs to be an amount of personal responsibility uh, where people should be able to fend for themselves and not rely on the government to keep them hundred percent safe because that's not gonna happen. And if we want that to happen, we're gonna have to give the government so much power over our lives to the point where we're not gonna be able to do anything. Um, we're not gonna be able to do anything personally. And the government's going to be in every aspect of our lives if we want 100% security. Um, that's just not going to be possible. And people who get people who get upset on, even we like, remedial things like on Twitter, uh, if someone's getting really upset and saying mean things, people go to the government and be like, this should be illegal. They shouldn't be able to say these mean things. And if we allow the government to get in and start censoring people and There's just just no limit to it. I mean, I get called a Nazi pretty much every single day on Twitter. And and, and, and the amount of, um, it doesn't matter what I say on Twitter, someone's going to disagree with it and call me mean things. And, and, I mean, we already talked about that, how that's very counterproductive. Um, But even with things like these riots, that's, it's really just undermining free speech. Free speech. Uh, people like Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, He—I don't agree with everything that he says. Um, he says a lot of really, you know, out there things. Uh, but I'm going to fight for his right to be able to be able to say them. Um, and these students who just disagree with what he says, and, and the vast majority of them don't even know what he says. They just get all their information from the media who just talks bad about, about Milo being optimist. They say that he's he's promoting uh, hate and violence and is a white supremacist and, and all of this stuff just really isn't true. He's just a, just a very pr- uh, provocative character. Um, but these students don't even really listen to what he says and then just go by what the media says who post things that they know people are going to watch and those people see those posts about him and believe that he shouldn't be able to say what he wants to say and they use violence against him and riots are just the wrong way to go in my opinion. If you're going to protest, you need a peaceful protest. I mean, learn by what Martin Luther King did and it was was very effective and violence just isn't the answer and people need to be able to listen to different viewpoints and be able to have respectful conversations. And not trying to shut everything down that they don't agree with, uh, because that's just going to uh, come back on us in the long run, uh, to where it's going to get to the point where everything is censored. And it's, like, it's kind of a stretch here, but, but somewhere like North Korea, where they, where they can't have, where they have no personal freedoms, and they're not able to say anything. Um, and I'm sure the very safe there, because there's military on every corner. Uh, but we don't want it to end up like that. Um, That—that's just what I fear. Um, where we could be so safe, to where nothing could ever happen to us, if we gave all the powers to the government.
0: So, so, Mister Elman, I, I go back on. Um, if and none of us really knows the extent of what the Patriot Act those involved are doing or, or what not, but it would seem that it, it's not working. I, I'm not seeing it. Of what, the, how the Patriot Act is really helping us? Because again, if if it, I the, I, I don't know what the motive is there. The, there's something that I'm missing because these things are still happening and they're getting much worse.
1: Right. I, no. I, I I completely agree with that. I don't think that it's having very much of uh, an effect at all, um, which is why I, I don't think that it should be in place uh, because. I don't know what the underlying motive is because I'm not in the government. I don't know what they're talking about. But what I do know is that it gives the government so much more power than it previously had and it doesn't seem to be even really having an effect. Um, and and when, you, when you talk about the, the, the government documents that, that have been uh, given to schools for them to follow, in, in my opinion, the government is even overreaching and in, in stuff like that. The national government, in my opinion, should not have anything to do with education. That's not in the Constitution at all. The national government should not have right. that power.
0: Right, and, and that's a rather new invention. You know, that's only been around for, what, about 30, 30 years um, yeah, at like a federal level. The education. was
1: enacted in, in 1979. Right. right. Uh, in the Constitution, it talks about any rights, well, any powers that are not stated in the Constitution are given to the state or local governments. And that's very clear. In education it's not talked about. In the Department of Education there's just been this huge failure that has cost so much money and it's just, it just makes no sense. And the government, the national government, has gotten way too much power, especially in uh, those areas with education and people don't really seem to care that they've they have this thought process now where instead of saying um, the the whole appointment with Betsy uh, DeVos, people are getting mad like she's not going to be able to, uh, she doesn't have any experience with education, she's going to do the wrong things as the department head. And I'm over here like, why do we even have a department of education? Uh, People are talking about uh, what can we spend more money on here and there uh, with education. And I'm saying let's, not even have a Department of Education, people aren't even thinking about that. People are just thinking about what should the government do with their power, not whether the government should have that power or not.
0: Yeah, I, I, I see that. And, and I I believe, again, as, as a researcher, um, that schools, for example, should be managed at a very, very local level. And... Um, you know, this whole thing of aggregate school data at a national level is complete garbage because there's not inter-rater reliability between one principal and another, and, and one school has certain resources and beliefs in another. And that's actually what always made the country rich was the diversity. And once you take the diversity of the way that this school district does certain things, and maybe it, it, it has a stronger program on industrial arts than this one but then when we all come together and combine all of those different talents that makes us strong when you become this uni curriculum which which the department of ed it was duke dr duke pesta um had a statement not too long ago who said the best thing we could do is is tear down the department of ed salt the ground so nothing ever grows there again and let the you know, let the states give that back to local control, which I agree. And from school safety, I think it's been a, a huge disservice because it is bringing in these these documents which are preparing for the these outrageous event, these contingencies and events and so forth, which just are not the profile of what really happens. We we go back to Sandy Hook. You indicated how the media covered that, and a number of school districts sent um passionate letters home of we're going to review our our policies and we're going to fortify doors and, and we're going to do all of these things and the reality was it was about 2 years later a 274 page document came out saying you know what there wasn't much that could have been done and and the fact was the school structure already was was very safe um and the and the fact is if you harden one target it you're just going to then open up another target. So if uh, if the school is locked, you know, if you can't get in, penetrate the school, you're going to take a vehicle and drive up on a playground. But th- these are so so rare events. But um, you know, it's it's like going through the airport and, and and things like that. You're right. We can have so many liberties taken from us because someone can say this one contingency, you know. You've got a plan for every contingency. You've got a plan for everything, and here's the plan that we're going to do, and here's how we're going to help you with it. And I've, I've used the phrase, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, you know, we're much better off. You, you said it earlier, Mr. Allman, and I give you credit for this. What we need to to go, I don't know, even go back to, but go to is teaching people how to communicate their Positions to protest to understand what true like debate is versus the default position right now is if you don't agree with it the other person is a racist a Nazi or you will attack them and that's all that there is to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yet there is there is this opportunity right now as as I think you you're very passionate about of seizing of saying you know we're always, we, we've always had differences of opinion. What we need to work on is understanding different positions and how to articulate that and then resolving these, these. I, again, I, I mean, I'm not saying everyone needs to get along together. There just needs to be a tolerance that if you don't agree with that position, it doesn't mean you go over and stand a foot away and throw a brick at the face of, of that person. Um, which, which again is, is literally what's what's happening right now so yeah I I'm very curious I I, I think we'll never know what happens with um, with the Patriot Act I remember when it was reauthorized the last time it literally was mentioned at the end of a TV broadcast about something else and then it was and by the way the Patriot Act was reauthorized today <laughs> and <laughs> They don't want people to, to right. think about. It. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, okay, that should have been probably your your lead-in story, and 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 you know, no, it's, it, it was just an afterthought of of. So, um, yeah, I as I want to get into closing statements. Again, I'm going to project you forward um, into uh, you know a leadership position in our country. What would you do? What would you emphasize to, I mean, improve the state of things right now in the United States?
1: Um, Well, I would, first of all, going back to the amount of power the government has, if somehow I were president, I I would bring up all of these issues and, and I would say, that the government has way too much power as it has right now. I would do the best that I could to try and stay out of the personal lives of the American people. Um, I wouldn't spy on the American people. If we were going to investigate a a terrorist or a suspected terrorist, I would get a warrant for it. and, And the government is supposed to protect the freedoms and the rights and the liberties of the American people, and it seems like nowadays that the government is only negating liberty. It doesn't seem that they're that they're really protecting it nowadays. I would really emphasize that. Um, I would uh, really emphasize um, economic freedom and personal responsibility. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have the amount of gun control that is out there nowadays. Uh, I would allow people to be able to fend for themselves and um, not have so many government regulations on so many things, especially on schools and um, uh, even the TSA at airports. Uh, I've had the worst... and Everyone seems to have a terrible time with TSA and they're so ineffective. Uh, I went to go visit uh, friends in Texas, and I got stopped because they found some type of residue in my bag, and it took me an hour, and they had to look through everything in my bag and unfold all of my clothes and rearrange everything, and then pat me down, and then test their gloves after they pat me down, and everyone's just watching, like, this is like a 150 pound scrum kid. Like, what are you doing? You know? Right. right. Just the amounts of overreach that the government has. Uh, just Mind your own business. Uh, the government, it, when you think about it, they're just people. They're just us. The regular people that we have elected to, tr- to represent us to help protect our liberties. Um, they're not special. Uh, they're just regular people. So again, today
0: we had uh, Mr. Dylan Allman. You can follow him at Real Dylan Allman. I will have that in the narrative section of both the video portions and audio portions of the show. Um, He is an incredible um, political mind and someone who is rapidly um, emerging as a voice which we are going to be hearing more or that we need to hear more in the future. I wish him the very best. Uh, he is, he's done a, a wonderful job today framing um, a number of topics which uh, people people um, either are hesitant to talk about or they stumble about you know or they, they just are unwilling to to really have an open rich discussion about. Um, he came on and skillfully you know uh, was was able to navigate those just underscores, all of everything that I've seen from him um, in, in his post and in his positions. I'm glad he's out there, um, and, and I know that there are more uh, people who are wanting the best for this country as we are in this, this real period of a crossroads right now. And, and again, just, just thanks thanks for your time and thanks for everything that you do for the country.
1: Thank you for having me on. All right. Take care, sir. Alright, you
0: have a good night. Hey, you too.
1: Bye Dylan.